We the bestest cast with the left twist. Fat, fairly well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of On the Guest List with Fox Trot and the Get Down, White Sox Dave, Kenny Carkey, and Dante. Should we just start adding Johnny's name in there? Uh, I mean, you're here. No, leave, leave me the fuck out of this. I'm a fish. I'm always hiding under always underground. <laughs> well, luckily, dude, this week it's just the musicians. Uh, Dante's in Vail, Colorado, doing oh, how what crazy. Dante does. Dante's snow skiing in Vail. <laughs> yeah, he's in Vail. Uh, and White Sox Dave is in the Dominican Republic translating Spanish. <laughs> is this fucking do you know that did you know that no, like what is he doing so they barca was a foreign correspondent named donnie who uh he, they're at the uh dominican republic baseball world series and he uh, brought white Sox dave as a translator who speaks decent spanish actually it's so but crazy wa- that dave speaks spanish but watching dave speak spanish is so funny because it's in the chicago accent and it's <laughs> it's just him like like Ugar El Pilota, and it, the guys are just looking at him like, shut the fuck up. I can't imagine that he puts any effort. He doesn't seem like the type of person that would put effort into the accent in speaking yeah. Spanish, rolling bars no. and doing all those things. But the fact that he speaks it basically fluently is fucking crazy. I, wa- I want to give Dave a shout out real quick because that piece of content with Francis Ellis called Privilege yeah. comes out right now. It looks where, sick. Where basically Francis, who is a Harvard graduate, took Dave to basically like a pretty woman situation, turn him into like a high end member of society to a polo championship in Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> and the clip of white Sox, Dave, he's at an etiquette class. And, and the woman is like, the woman is like, what do you do if, you know, you're having a conversation with somebody and they're short with you and you can tell they don't want to speak to you. And he cuts her off in the middle and goes, I will look that person dead in the eyes and call them a cocksucker right to their face. <laughs> it just pans in on his face. Dude. It, yeah. It, I saw that dude. It's it's all it's in Scottsdale, which is Scottsdale. right near where we where we grew up. And it's funny to have an etiquette class in Scottsdale because there, no one in Scottsdale has any class. Even the people <laughs> teaching etiquette there, it's like one of those like fake etiquette. It's not like you're in like Connecticut or like you know upstate New York, or like New York, like one of the classic like Did old money America bullshit or something. What? Jesus Christ, <laughs> I, 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 dude, bullshit. I love that man so much. I really do. Dave is who Dave is, and he's the best, and he's the I worst, but he's the I best at the same time. Exactly. But yeah, musicians here today, actual functioning human beings. Uh, we have White Reaper on the podcast today. White Reaper is a band we've talked about a lot on the podcast. It's one of my favorite conversations we've had because you can tell these guys are just one of us. They're a grinder band. They're they're real people. They stayed in Louisville, Kentucky. They didn't do the L.A. or Nashville or Chicago thing. Uh, they're just the homies and they're really cool. They got a new record coming out. That's fucking dope. Um, uh, and they're, they're one of those bands that Kenny, you said it best, a co- like probably like a year ago, we were talking about bands that had their giant introduction right before COVID. And then the world shut down and you didn't yeah. know whether they were going to be able to pull out of it. And they did. And, uh, I'm really proud of those guys. And just as a fan, like, I love that band. We talked a lot about too, like them being a guitar band and the fact that on their records, you can tell, how much they love Thin Lizzy, and you can, it's one of the few bands now that you can, like, listen to one of their songs and say, like, oh, that's a 335 through a Marshall, and it's harmonizing with a Les Paul. Like, you can still tell the right choices. And I remember, too, like, when they were coming up hard right before pandemic, they were one of those bands that everybody in the industry was like, have you heard of White Reaper? Have you seen these fucking guys play? All the labels talking about them, A&R people, like, they were the band. Dude, and I and feel it, like there's one advantage to having had that happen. If you're like on the rise 
and the pandemic interrupts everything, if you can weather it, as in like not break up as a band because everyone's going to get a day job or whatever, you got two or three years to just fucking hunker down and make music. Yeah. Whereas you could have had the thing where like things blow up and then you just spend three years on the road, you get ahead of yourself, you don't get records going. So like this can be beneficial. They said it on the pod and I don't want to spoil anything for the conversation, but they said basically if the pandemic wouldn't happen, they probably wouldn't be a band still because they were burning themselves out so hard touring that single and that record. it It just wouldn't have been fun anymore. And, uh, I really appreciate those guys. We're going to do some more stuff with them in the future, but they're other than the fact that it turns out that uh, two of them are Giants fans and uh, Giants Eagles this weekend. Uh, by the way, on that note, fuck you guys. Yesterday, I'm having a goddamn existential breakdown because I'm about to have a phone call with, you know, someone I will say, one of the most famous people in music, legendary fucking, you know, producer, label owner, guru. I won't say his name because, you know. And uh, I text the group and I'm like, yo, I'm about to talk to this person's reps. Like, we're about to get him on. And you guys are like, yeah. Do me a favor and just don't talk with your fucking accent or we're not going to get this. Don't fuck this up. And I'm sitting there in my room like my phone's on 1%. Like I'm just like getting messages and right before my phone's about to die. And I'm like, I fucking hate it here, dude. You guys suck, man. <laughs> the first thing. Listen, he's a very serious, like highly respected dude. Like we said, we won't say his name. And then you're going to answer the call with his agent. You think we're trying to book him on a fucking baseball podcast. And she's gonna be like, <laughs> she's, just, she's just going to be like, nope. Goodbye. Uh, yeah, oh, we thought this was actual journalism. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, that, that, that news will be breaking soon. And um, as far as like a look ahead to the podcast, I know we're going to be doing, I've been discussing this with Dante and we're trying to get the logistics of it down with the interns and everything to get it set up. But for the Grammys, we're going to be doing a live stream of us watching the Grammys. And I want to take bets before, like have everybody's picks. Uh, I'm kind of nervous about doing something live. Because I'm afraid of the right. words that are going to come out of people's mouths. Mean, what's the difference? We don't edit this basically anyway. I I do some chopping. I will say that. Uh, I'm always <laughs> nervous if there's a if the word live and Kenny are involved. That's what I'm and like, saying. He's a, con- I'm, he's a consummate professional. It's just like some of the shit we used to talk on the bus. Yeah. You're like, does yeah. he know how to turn it off and on? And he does. He's an absolute fucking professional of like, okay, we're live. I'm going to turn down crazy Kenny. We all have career ending text threads you know what i mean oh, i was uh, i was playing not me the only career ending text threads i have are with you where you yes. said some shit <laughs> <laughs> dude i always say like i've ever said anything inappropriate first off second off <laughs> i was playing wars on the other night with my wife and some friends and i was like oh fuck i forgot i have twitch set up on here i'm just gonna hit this shit and sarah goes i will not fucking play live <laughs> games with you ever not one <laughs> yeah never. and i was like shit yeah, uh, my my I always say like my first interaction with Kenny through text when I was trying to get to his house in L.A. He sent me this emoji and it was a certain emoji and I think he was testing me to see if I was cool or not. And <laughs> it was just like a certain emoji and like I think he was waiting to be like, "Is this guy a, a weenie or is he actually going to be cool?" Can I, I think I did. Can I tell you that one of my favorite things as a producer because it doesn't always go right, right? Like, and Johnny could probably attest to this. We're like. You're in the room with somebody you've never met before and you got to make music all day and be creative and you're just testing, kind of testing. And then sometimes at some point you say something and they laugh or they say something and you laugh and you're like, oh, we're the same. Thank fucking God. Or you say something and they clam up and then they're like, yeah, then you're like, oh, I probably shouldn't say. 
Yeah, Dude, I remember yeah. that when we did our first podcast like years ago with you and Max when you came on. So like we knew you and we knew you were cool, but we'd never met Max. And he came on and he was in like, I'm being a professional on a podcast. And we had the most polite conversation. We never touched any crazy topics. It was like, so how, when you're writing a song, do you like to yeah. start with good, like that kind of shit? We went on tour with them and it was like, oh, okay, that was such a fake ass podcast because like yeah. everyone was like on their best behavior. We don't know where we land yet. I mean, that's, that's the perfect example of what I'm talking about was me and Max. Max and I met each other watching Public Enemy play side stage somewhere at a festival. Came back, wrote some music together. Like, you know, like Johnny's saying like, oh, okay, professional, professional. Then over <laughs> the time we realized we we're the same person and we would push each other so hard to do air uh irresponsible shit and that's why we started a band together and which is why it was the most fun i've ever had playing music i mean yeah. that's that's true like why i love the white reaper conversation because i uh, we, we actually had a conversation about kind of like the the weird industry side because like i said like they didn't leave kentucky to go and do their thing like they they stayed where they were because they liked that atmosphere and i always appreciate that about bands um but they're just good dudes, man. Go see them on tour. Get ready for that convo because it's fucking great. Um, but so that, I, that's the that's a super great piece of advice I would say to a lot of bands is when you're hot and up and coming, don't fucking move to LA. Like we yep. did it, and I loved the years we were there. I love living in LA, but we also just wasted a shitload of money that we could have put elsewhere. You know, yeah. like you just you're gonna unless you're sure that you're gonna go become a fucking millionaire famous person, like it's just a great way to go lose money. Well, I mean, who's, you'll who's have it? you'll have fun and you'll love it, and we aren't all diamond producers on the cliffs of Malibu <laughs> like Ken Carkeet there. But it's 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 like all the stereotypes. It's a fucking tough town, man. Bro, it's, who's the great example of that kind of like staying where you were? And it's a band that's friends friends of Kenny. 21 pilots, Ohio boys, state Ohio boys. Like yeah. I, I, I appreciate that. Like they didn't, they didn't fucking, you know, take the other route where you go and, and you dive into the scene, whatever that is. But yeah. you know, you can do it in today's age. You have the internet. There you yeah. go. Here's your fucking answer. If you want to go and get fucked up in LA and be like, live that rock star bullshit. That, ahead, that was the thing things. though, you know, it just rewind. I guess now at this point, it'd be 15 years ago. The only way to be seen is to play a show in LA. Now yeah. with social media and clips and this, this and that, ARs are passing around clips. Have you seen this clip? Have you seen this clip? And then they'll go fly and see you. It's just a different. Yeah, having said all this, I do kind of miss like it's so annoying the way things have to go now with like viral and did it go on TikTok and is it trending and all that shit. Like there was something nice about playing a shitty show at the Viper Room, hoping like, oh, yeah. I hope someone sees this show. Like as shitty as it was, you're like, I was the first place AWOL ever played was at the Viper Room. Yeah, same. It my mind because I I had been writing songs with Aaron for like a year at that point, putting a band together. I didn't know under the influence of Giants. I didn't know I knew Hometown Hero, but whatever. And the very first show, very first ever AWOL show, the Viper Room sold out. And that's what I was like, oh, people like this. I had no fucking yeah. idea. And I had never seen him perform in front of people before, just at rehearsal or whatever. Where he is an animal. So he's an animal, right? And then after that, you're like, oh, okay, I fucking get it now. Viper, what a... Dude, we we played a show at the Viper Room and two nights before uh, we knew the booker there. So he got us in to see One Republic when they nice. had just like pre-apologized with Timberland. Yeah. So it was a crazy thing to see because it was that old school era that you think of. It was like just swarming with A&R. 
Like no right. one in the audience was a human being. It was just big cigars. Just like, yeah. like everyone's like, rah, like ready to like pounce. And like, they're like, this shit's about to blow up. Dude, on the opposite spectrum, I saw, I'm not going to say the band's name because I'll feel bad, but I went and saw like a showcase at, at Viper Room for a band. They're more like a bar band and they're kind of older. The dude lead singer wears bell bottoms, looks like Chad Kroger. Um, say the band's name. Don't be a pussy. Okay, the Black Moods. I felt so bad because the opposite vibe. All the A&Rs were there, but they were all like, they're kind of old, man. They're kind of blah, blah, blah. That's all you would hear at the bar. The fits, like, the fits these, situation, dude. Yeah, fits. You're like, all oh, these poor fucking guys. Dude, so <laughs> your your LA was my New York and Nashville. Like That was like we would go play Rockwood or the Rock Shop or fucking pianos yeah. in those shitty spots. Or in Nashville, like I how many times piano. I played – how many times I played the five spot or I played like – uh, the family wash or some shit like that, dude. I told this story on the pocket on the old, old version of the podcast, but we got flown down to Nashville to play for a manager who used to manage the all American rejects and a couple other bands who like loved our studio shit. And then saw us live at the family wash, which is also a restaurant. So we were playing in the worst environment ever to like put on, you know what I mean? Like you're going, you're about to fucking ball out. We didn't have our own gear. We were bumming gear from the <laughs> venue. Uh, People are eating dinner and we're trying to give a fucking rock show and the manager's there. Right. And afterwards, everybody's outside, whatever. And the manager just pulls me aside and he's like, dude, you're, you are fucking sick. The band's really tight. You need to fire your drummer right now. <laughs> and, I was, and I like, I'm like not drunk, but I'm, I've had a couple of drinks. So I'm feeling ballsy or whatever. And I was like, nah, I was like, you don't know, dude. That's my boy. I would never do that. We came up together. Like, fuck you. Two weeks later, my drummer quit. So he, he might have been. He might have been right. I don't know. But like, you no. Know, there is. How that, bad was he that the like? That's the opening line from the manager. Like, objectively, or you don't want to throw him under the bus. I would never throw him under the bus because he's a he's a friend and he's a good guy. I just think like he became a little bit disinterested in the music, uh, the industry side, and he just was just kind of like, fuck it. He was more of a jazz drummer than he was anything. Can I say that there's nothing worse than the house kit? Oh, you literally the dude, worst fucking instrument. I was, for the I was, I play like a Deville Deluxe Big Four Ten distorted Fender amp, and the amp that I flew into play was like a Princeton Reverb with like no dirt on it whatsoever. So I'm playing these lines that are dirty and crunchy, and it's coming out of this amp that's clean, and people are eating meatloaf because that was the special that night. Like it was just like <laughs> on stage, knowing told, it was a nightmare. I've told this story before, but AWOL got so big so fast that we were playing. We were playing three shows a week every week, and we still didn't own gear for like a yeah. year. Or a week. <laughs> yeah. and which was a nightmare because you're backlining guitars, amps, synths. Yeah. You, know, you don't even have the right patches. Every fucking night. It was brutal. And shout out to Vincent Casamata, who was our first tour manager. Like every band, when they get big enough, they get one crew guy who does right. tour manage and front yeah. of house. That's yep. that thing right and yep. he was our guy and he had to do backline every night now he does maroon five he has three houses he's fucking killing it but i feel bad for what some of those people went through at the beginning of AWOL, man. dude if those those guys that we had a guy who's now doing i think uh production managing for death cab for cutie and Hell we yeah. found him he was with the support band that was out with us blonde fire in canada i know run with us Gar oh you know garen yeah 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 oh that's right yeah yeah and and then, dude uh, yeah, he, with erica we we uh we saw him like doing that job where he's tour managing merch driving booking the fit with a and it's like those guys if you can find them early in their career and we were like dude we need to hire this guy because a one crew member like that is worth like 10 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Members. If you can so have somebody who's good. the jack of all trades and it do it well, them thirteen years in one. Oh yeah. Like, oh, the yeah. fucking pictures of him when he started tour with us, like it was like those presidential things they do, like pre becoming president. To have conversations with Vince, like being like, dude, you got to take it easy on these ven- venue employees. <laughs> like, yeah. like we're no your stress. I know your stress, but you got. It is crazy though, because I feel like every like real roadie, like every road crew guy, eventually winds up looking like a clone of the other one like they all have a very specific look and specific smell like they all smell like stale cigs they all do <laughs> it's it's not you're not far off the truth but it's funny because i was talking with him and he says that he's noticed like a, a very distinct change in post pandemic because of all the regulations and shit that other the bands have been putting just like just to stay safe even like yeah. contractually they don't want to fucking lose a show he says like the partying is really slowed down. People are just like chilling out a bit because it's Man, I it's, like it's too it's too expensive to do to it the up. old way. Yeah. I saw that. The first time I really noticed that is when we did it must have been our first arena tour. It was with Fallout Boy. And like we were so used to dingy green rooms, whiskey, liquor, sticky floors, all that stuff. And then it's like we get to this arena tour and it's like there's a fresh press juice station over here. Oh yeah, the, yeah. There, there's the oh, uh, everybody's like there, working out and exercising, and both we're like, what the fuck is this? The, we I were out with for, Young yeah. the Giant and Kings of Leon, and the lighting guy for Kings of Leon was leading yoga classes and like uh, CrossFit shit, like at the, every arena, every morning, everyone's out there like working out with him. Go get your freshly pressed orange and ginger wheatgrass yeah. shot, Yo, <laughs> dude. I remember going into the fir- the first time ever going into catering and seeing a pig a roast pig an entire oh. roast pig and being like dude where are the chicken fingers like what some are we people, doing here? some people don't know this but uh, some there's a lot of bands that are either religious or healthy or whatever it is and they have what they call dry camps where you just you're not allowed to drink yep. on the bus or in the shows blah 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 whatever neon trees was one of those bands there's been a couple through the years but all their crew guys used to come on our bus with empty monster energy drink cans and fill them with whiskey and <laughs> Dude, we had dogs search our bags one time. Like, police oh, yeah. dogs search. Because they were, like, literally to the point where it was, like, you can't drink, you can't smoke, you can't do anything. And we had police dogs come into a fucking, the locker room of the stadium that we were in and go through our shit. And my, my cousin Eric, who was playing guitar for us at the time, was, like, sweating. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm 99% sure he shoved his vape pen up his ass. Like, I, <laughs> I fucking love how many times we were crossing a border and my TM coach dan mckay would be like kenny a hundred percent there's no weed on the bus right i'm like no dude i got rid of it all <laughs> meanwhile it's in my my guitar pedal battery like hole yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> never mind that dude just the fucking spillage from kenny and his grinder and everything. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah, enough yeah. to get you fucking federal charges yeah. Honey, <laughs> the, the prank that the fucking bus driver pulled on us when it was like four in the morning oh, negative fuck, 40 yeah. i shit you not negative 40 going i want to say it was canada into america yeah like winnipeg crossing that in the morning, north dakota dying, it's freezing and you're sitting there in the waiting room just waiting and then he comes out and he's like guys i got bad news he's like Somebody fucking brought like oranges or bananas or whatever it was. And you can't do that crossing the border because of agriculture, this, this, and that. And they go, agriculture can't get here until tomorrow afternoon. So we have to sit here from four in the morning until like three in the afternoon. <laughs> we were like, no, fuck, bro. Like, we start crying. And he's like, I fucking got you guys. You're like, oh, but he, he got the border police in on it. Yeah. 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 Like they walked up yeah. with him and everything. Some of those border 
police are actually funny, like cool dudes because they see so many bands, particularly because you're always crossing at like three or four in the morning. Like yeah. they're down to have a joke. They're not like the typical border police dicks that you'd Got expect. It. Let me ask you this. Did you ever, um, so doing the ferry from like Calais, right? From the UK oh, yeah. to, to France or whatever, the bus goes underneath and you're technically not supposed to stay in right, the bus. Yeah. But every once in a while, you'd be like, I don't fucking care. I'm staying in the bus. Did you ever like, I never stayed, but I came back from like you go back down and I went to the wrong floor where all the trucks were. Yeah. And I thought the bus was there and the, the gates start opening and everyone's starting to move and like you can't be seen yeah. in there. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be fucking crushed by trucks yeah. as yeah. they move Jesus. and you're going through that thing. I got a ferry story that was really funny. We were playing, we were out with One Republic and we, they went to Russia and we weren't doing those shows with them. So we did a couple headlines in like Stockholm. So we were in Stockholm, Sweden, and we put the bus on a ferry from Stockholm to Tallinn, Estonia. It's a 17 hour ferry ride. Jesus. And they, they called this ferry the fuck boat because it was basically like a party boat that kids would ride from Stockholm to Tallinn and back, like go for the like party on a Friday night, basically. So we get onto the bus, but it's empty. Like it's not a party time, but they still got all the shows going on. So it's like Eastern European cabaret shows. Um, there was a fucking like disco happening, but like an empty disco with just like a couple angry ex MMA dudes getting drunk, doing vodka shots of there. It was the most amazing experience on this fuck boat. Cause it, it was just so <laughs> surreal. Like you're tired from three months of touring already the liquor costs nothing. You're stuck on a boat for 17 hours and it should just get like so surrealistic. Yo, Yo do me a favor. Do, do, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, we're going to start. Do me, I was going to say, do me a favor and please cut and clip fuck boats and put it into the, into the, into the, <laughs> I was just going to ask Johnny how many times he's been at a German venue after the show is finished and it converts into like a crazy yeah. EDM rave. And you're still sitting there because you're not leaving until eight in the morning because of just the way the the plan yeah. goes. So all you sometimes that's cool. Sometimes it's not cool. Like there's one in. Uh, have you did you ever play Paradiso in yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Amsterdam? We didn't play it. We were playing like the sister venue, or whatever. But we were parked up at Paradiso, yeah. and Milkbag. Yeah, one. yeah. It starts like that. Shit starts late, and it's, it's super annoying when you got a show. They call it disco loadout. Yeah, disco you load. loadout, and they're like thirty minutes, and then the fucking rave starts. And you're like scrambling to get your <clears throat> i have had a couple off. instances where like i was hammered before the show even more hammered through the show obliterated after the show <laughs> and when those rave starts you're like yo it's fucking go, dude. yeah <laughs> jesus christ man that one we played uh, that one in london with you guys heaven didn't we that sounds like a club so what happened a club a club called heaven well no that's when i was poisoned by red bull and uh <laughs> not yeah. not literally don't sue me but like just that after party at Trafalgar Square. I've oh never been God. that shit faced in my life. God, dude, that was when Mother I was partying with Thomas Pridgen, fucking getting hammered. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, go ahead. Let, <laughs> let's let, let's move into the interview. We'll come out and do one list up, listen a couple of pieces of music news. Uh, I enjoy these episodes sometimes where we can't get the two idiots here and we can just talk random bullshit. Yeah, fuck them. To Johnny, tell you the quick. truth, I mute Dante and uh, Dave anyway, so <laughs> I'm not even aware that they're there. I, when uh, I see them laugh, I go, ha, ha, ha. I, you know, just play, play along. You're just doing context clues. Johnny, yeah. can you play me something tender? Just something tender on the keys, just so yeah. I can go in this interview? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going into our interview. Let the bodies the hit one. the floor. Let the bodies 
the the fuck? one, the only <laughs> White Reaper. That was my NPR interview. Like uh sound. White Reaper. White Reaper. And coming up later this week, <laughs> some more fucking bullshit through a really nice microphone. <laughs> Alright, this is White Reaper. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the guest list this week, one of my favorite fucking bands in the world from Louisville, Kentucky, we have White Reaper. Boys, how are we for a second time? I wasn't recording the first time. We're doing great. I'm trying to explain to these guys the ass backwards way that we run this podcast, and I didn't even fucking record the first time. (laughs) Dude, we actually, it's funny, we've been talking about you guys a lot on the podcast recently, Uh, and I'll get into why. But my first introduction to you, my, I'm from a band called Fox Trotting the Get Down. And uh, I remember the first time I heard your music. Uh, we were playing a show in Nashville in 2017. It was like our record release show. And uh, we were checking the other bands in town that night. And you guys were playing the Basement East, I think. Mm-hmm. And I I think it was Judy French was the first song I heard. And I was like, fuck, nobody's coming to our show. Dude. <laughs> I was like, this shit is so good. <laughs> You guys have been at it for a while, man. You're one of our grinder bands. That's what we talk about a lot of bands. You just stuck it out with the same fucking dudes and really like put their balls on the line to make it. And you guys stayed the same and you didn't switch up. So I want you to know right away you got fans and people who appreciate it here. Hell yeah. Thank I appreciate you. that. Thank you. No problem, boys. Uh, new music's great. We'll get into that. But uh, the reason we've been talking about you so much on the podcast is we, we talk about bands that that really broke out right before COVID. Like right before COVID. You guys had... You know, you might be right, and everything shuts down after that. And you guys are supposed to go on tour with Pearl Jam, and I remember being like this weird fan side of me being like, God, I'm proud of these guys. They're really fucking cutting it. And then the world fucking shuts down. What was that like for you guys? Man, we were we were literally on the road on a sold-out tour. Like every date going forward had sold out. We had like a number one song at Alternative Radio. So it's just literally if you could have written it better for the worst possible scenario <laughs> for the entire world to shut down, that was that was it. I mean, dude, like like looking at it from the outside, imagine getting told you're going on tour with one of the greatest fucking bands in the last 30 years. And the next thing you know, they're like, yo, by the way, you're not going to be able to do anything for two years. Like, I can't even imagine. Like, did you guys have a sit? Because I know my band had a sit down meeting being like, all right, we got two choices here. We either pussy out and pack up and go home or we, we stick it out and try and find a way. Like, did you guys have like a talk of being like, yeah, what are we going to do? Well, it was, I, we were in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Brian and I always share hotel rooms. We were like getting up and showering and everything. We had the news on and it was like the governor of New Mexico banned all events of like a hundred people or more. <laughs> we're like, so our show's canceled. Um, and then, yeah, we hopped on the phone with our manager. We're like, what do we do? And she was like, I think we should probably go home. So, <laughs> well, everybody at the time, you know, that booker, booking agents, promoters, management, we're all like, this isn't a thing. Yeah. You know, this is going to be fine. It's all hype. And then, yeah, we literally woke up to the governor being like, all everything's canceled. And we were like. <laughs> We were, well, playing a sh- we were playing a show in Washington, D.C., and uh, the news was on in, like, the green room, and it was, like, first known case of coronavirus breaks in Washington, D.C. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, that sucks, dude. We played the yeah. show and drove home. We, ne- we didn't play a, sh- a show again for two years. Like, we all just, like, had to roll with this shit, but for, like, just the timing of, like, making your first big impression, and it's, like, the number one alt song of the year. 
and you yeah. guys have busting your ass. By the way, the first two records were great too. And then uh, what was the name of the, third, the record that broke you guys? Like you deserve love or yeah, love, yeah, yeah. Great fucking record. And then all of a sudden it just out. And I, I like it was one of those things we always talk about. Like Kenny specifically on the podcast always says like you really only get like one chance as a band to make that first big impression. And then yeah. it's like, whoa, what the fuck? But the amazing part of this, you came out. I think we connected because I posted Pink Slip. It's such a good goddamn song. And you guys have a new record coming out. Like, did you guys do all this over COVID? Or was this like a process? Like, once you guys got out of COVID, then you start playing live again. You cut these new songs. Well, you picked that. It was a little bit of both. It was yeah. a little bit of both. Um, we, we started writing over COVID. Um, we got together in like these weird B&Bs because we don't all live in the same place that hmm. so we would meet like halfway. We we met in like the middle of nowhere, Arkansas, at this super weird B and B the first time. Uh, kind of started writing. Um, so it, it was a little bit of both. Like we did some of it over COVID, and then towards the end of I guess 2021, got back on the road a little bit. And just sort of like slowly hammered it out as best we could. Um, but yeah, I mean, it did take a long time. Uh, because of the pandemic and everything and yeah i mean it was a it was a long road <laughs> yeah it was dude i mean and, and, but this has all been kind of a long road for you guys where like i said like, you came up and you didn't really compromise what you were doing like did you yeah. did you guys all grow up in louisville or like around the same area four of us did four and then we met hunter who's like our like main lead guitarist he, he's from austin texas or he's from texas oh okay well, I mean, do you guys still live in Louisville? We do, yeah. We're I love, now. I love that, dude. Louisville was the site of my biggest realization as a musician. We we're playing the Gathering at the uh, what the oh, Mercury yeah. Ballroom, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we're backstage, and all of, all six of us are from Philly, and I'm in a fucking Sixers jersey, drunk, like outside. Everybody's outside smoking, and there's this other band there, right? And they all have like matching. They all dyed their hair pink, and they all had like matching leather on. And we're outside, and I'm just like in my worst accent, just being like, "Yeah, where are you guys from?" And like L.A. And I was like, "Nah, but like, where are you from?" From because they were like the 12th band from L.A. that I had met that day, and they were like, oh, "We're from Norman, Oklahoma," but like, you know, we like live in L.A. And I always appreciate bands that actually stick it out and stay where they're from. Like, has it been tough for you guys, like especially being like that alt scene, to like keep your identity and not try and play that game of like, "Oh, we'll move to L.A. or Nashville or New York." Like, did you ever have that inclination, or did you guys always kind of be like, "We're gonna stay where we are"? Well, it must have been hard for three of us because they all live in LA. <laughs> for me and Tony, it was never really a never really a question. Uh, Louisville has a really great music scene. Yeah. I think one of the most underrated in the in this in the country. So like, and Louisville is such like a malleable place musically that if you are trying to get off the ground as a band and there might not be a scene here for you, just make the scene. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I've always said. Like. Why go and be like a small fish in an oversaturated pond where you can like really like stretch your legs and grow in your own scene and then tour? Like that's never made sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I get it from the aspect of like getting in front of industry people, but to me, it'll always be way cooler when a band is from Norman, Oklahoma or Louisville, Kentucky yeah. or Toledo, Ohio. Like, yeah, that's always just way more interesting to me than, you know. LA or New York. I mean no band there's no bands from New York anymore. <laughs> no, there's literally no band. Did you they just dropped they just dropped the governor ball the governor's ball lineup today, like the big New York festival. 
there's some bad festivals this year. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, man. I mean, on that note of kind of like coming up and, and you know, cutting your teeth and everything, like, what was that first moment for you guys where you were like, holy fuck, we're actually doing this shit? Man, for me, it was probably be like when we first got signed to Polyvinyl. Yeah. Because like, like, like you're saying, like just being from Louisville, like I had no idea that that was a possibility at all to get signed, you know, like yeah. it happened. I was like, wow, we're going to go on tour. <laughs> like they're going to pay for our, for our record. Like, wow. So like that was yeah. it for me. I mean, it was like the biggest city I had ever been to before I was 21 and then this band was probably like Atlanta. Yeah. Like just going on the first tour ever and like driving into New York for the first time, going to Chicago for the first time, driving through the, going to the desert for the first time. Like that was all just, I mean, very like surreal to me. So, and then getting flown to another country, that's just, that was mind blowing. Yeah, some adult a, person is gonna pay for me to go to England. <laughs> like, what if there's what another person who's gonna pay for me to do this shit? This is stupid. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like I. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that because, like, I think we we talk a lot about like, there's so many moments as like a tour musician that like people don't realize. Like to me, like some of my favorite moments are like stopping in gas stations in random like cities or like finding uh, what like truck stops you like the most. Like I yeah. like for me like I like when I discovered Loves and Pilot J or Flying J, I had no idea these things fucking existed. Before I was a musician, I'd only ever been to Northeast Philadelphia and Wildwood, New Jersey for the summer. Yeah. That's it. I never went anywhere. And then you're in, you mentioned Arkansas. You're in Arkansas driving to Austin, Texas, and you're like, there's nothing here. It's just Literally. flat. <laughs> there's no lights on the roads. Like, there's, there's nothing out here. <laughs> yeah, you don't even realize how fucking crazy and big and varied America is until you drive through small towns. My wife thinks I'm a fucking weirdo because I have, like, rankings of what gas stations have the best taquitos. Like, <laughs> it, it's the little well, things you miss, dude. It's so yeah. funny to hear someone from where you're from say never been to Love's or Flying J because the obvious thing for us to say was, you know, never been to Sheets or Wawa. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, and that's a that's a big that's a big rivalry up here. It is. Sheets versus Wawa? Yeah, it's Wawa. Wawa's the right answer. Sheets can suck my dick. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, and I mean, like, I remember, like, just watching the way, because I remember we had a song on um, Out of Order with Ted Stryker. And yeah. you guys were the number one song that week, and I and I got to hear it, and I was like, this feels somehow old and new at the same time. And, like, the Thin Lizzy guitar lines just caught me because that's my shit. I love Thin Lizzy so fucking much. Yeah. But it's like, uh, there's so many bands, I feel like we have, we have a theory that every couple years, the record labels sit down and they say, we haven't had a band that kind of sounds like Zeppelin in, like, five years. Can we create one? And yeah. I never got that vibe from you guys that it was like some sort of creation. It's like you find a way to take the old and make it new. Like, is that like a cognizant thing for you guys? Because I can pick out different examples. Like, even on the new shit pages, I feel like that's very Weezer to me, like in a good way. Yeah. Like, yeah. what are, what's like the shared link between you guys as far as music? Is there, are there certain artists that you guys all love? I mean, yeah, definitely. But I think it's kind of a lot like you. Like, we just love guitar music, really. And like we love to do those harmony lines any way we can and i mean that's just like that's just what we what we do you know like we we wouldn't really want to do something else so yeah doing anything else would feel like very ingenuine almost like yeah it's this is just what we wanted to do forever and 
you got to just find them like, you know, find a way to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to know, like, it's nice, like, as a guitar nerd to like sit back and I can listen to a song and I'm like, yeah, that's a 335 in a Les Paul. I know that shit. Like, that's exactly <laughs> what that is. Like, and that, that's like that's rare today because I don't I don't you don't get that a lot. And when you do, it's usually more buried in the Americana scene, which isn't a bad thing. I love it. But like to hear a band hit the radio and big time radio shit. And it's like, yo, they're doing dueling guitar lines with Gibsons. This is fucking fire. Like uh, like and I know we all have kind of gone through this in like the rock world the last couple of years. Like, be honest with me about this. Did anybody from your label ever come to you and be like, yo, have you guys ever thought about trying emo shit out? Like, like maybe adding a little bit of emo to what you guys do? No, they no. never did. They, I think that just reactionary to some demos that we sent, maybe they were like trying to push us to be like, oh, that's kind of like that. So please do more of that. <laughs> but I kind of feel like they knew we weren't going to get this record out in time for emo to still be cool again. Thank God. <laughs> they, it's were, fun. they were like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm cool with emo. Like, I like emo shit. Like, I have no problem with that. But when I hear bands like, well, that's no, not what's coming out. It's that's not what it is. It's not know? like it's it's funny because like when I was a kid, I was like, this shit is so corny. Like like listen to like Taking Back Sunday records and stuff like that. And today I'm like, damn, this is actually heavy as fuck. I kind of like this. Oh, yeah. And now I listen to like the shit that's coming out now. And I don't mean to be smirching, man, but Machine Gun Kelly doing this fucking shit. And I'm just like, come on, man. Like you're better than this. I think maybe I don't know, but you thought, thought Taking Back Sunday was corny. But... <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything now that, like, I don't know, like, in the rock world that actually interests you guys? Like, is there anything out that you're, like, sharing a record between each other just being like, yeah, this is actually cool? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It, I mean, mostly stuff that's around our size, yeah. you know? There's a lot of cool stuff coming out of the, like, more heavier scene. Yep. Um, Like, Turnstile, obviously, is phenomenal band. The best, dude. And, you know, they was, you know, like, some of them were in some of my favorite hardcore bands ever, and then... A lot of the bands like this this tour I, I feel like is really a good example of just bands that we really like find like getting to go on tour with. So like Narrowhead, Military Gun. We're gonna play with this other band called Soul Blind. We haven't announced it yet, but fuck it. You know. Fuck it. Yeah, why why not do it <laughs> here, dude? <laughs> it's there there are band like there's a band out of Canada called the Dirty Nil that I really like. We went on tour with them. I was gonna say because I feel like you guys run pretty hand in hand. And I remember like hearing Done with Drugs and being like, yo. This is what fucking modern rock should feel like. And I get yeah. that vibe from you guys too. And it's like, there is shit. Like, I think Turnstile is in a weird way a reaction, like what they're doing to like the cornier side of things. Like, mm -hmm. and you see even like, dude, they, they were just in a Taco Bell commercial. Like yeah. people want it. People want the real shit. And oh, it, yeah. I feel like you guys might be putting out a record at like the perfect time. Like, I, I kind of agree with you. Yeah, fingers crossed would be a good way to put it, dude. It's just like that's what I look for, though, and that's like like I don't know. Like we hate a lot. I'm not gonna lie. Like we sit we sit on this podcast for two hours a week and just be like, "Yo, does everything suck? It might suck. I don't know." But it, it's just fun to bring bands on here that like I'm like, "Yo, I think these guys get it. Like I think they actually are like one of the squad here. Like, and I think you guys definitely are." And, I think oh, yeah. watching bands like Pearl Jam pay attention and like, first of all, how did that fucking come around? Did, did your booking agent just sit you up and be like, yo, by the way, you're going to Europe with Pearl Jam or did they contact you or was there any sort of communication? 
Yeah, we've we've known them for a, a, quite a while, and there was kind of like an outside band connection as well. Not to ruin the magic, but there's just kind of like a we've just known them for a while. And he does his own festival, and we've played that three times. Oh, uh, okay. I think that was kind of like the playing the festival was kind of like the uh, and, all right, you know, we'll put you on w- one bigger stage next year, and then if you guys are good enough and you can play the big stage, then we'll talk about taking you guys out on tour. And you know, we kind of passed every test, and then got to do that tour, which was insane. I mean, never experienced anything like that before, and never will probably again. It's funny to think about like Eddie Vedder, like is like a master splinter type sitting back just being like, if you pass this test, you get to go yeah. to the next level. <laughs> I mean, he really is. He's, he's awesome. He's really he's cool. Super cool. He's really. I mean, it, it, it's funny because like you think of Pearl Jam and they get lumped in with so many other like the grunge bands and shit like that. But dude, the longevity that like they've they've just continued, like even the, like the self-titled record with the avocado that came out, like. Yeah. That fucking record rips. Like yeah. life wasted is legit garage bullshit, and I love it. Like, yeah. it's it's like um, it's fun to see them take other people under their wing because a lot of bands don't yeah. do that, right? Is there, besides Pearl Jam, has there ever been like an idol that you guys have like stepped on stage with or like gone out even festivals, just being like, yo, I can't believe I'm standing next to these people. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Killers took us on tour a couple yeah. years back. And yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember. I was just like buying apples at the grocery store and our manager called and was like would you want to go on tour with the killers and i was like yes and <laughs> originally it was just it was two shows um it was like the walmart amphitheater in arkansas where walmart was like invented or whatever and then the next day was at the oklahoma city zoo and we were all sitting and catering eating and uh ronnie the drummer was like at a different table he was also eating and then he finished he stood up and he was like hey you guys want to play another show in dallas uh on thursday <laughs> we're like yeah <laughs> dude they're, they're like one of the best live bands in the world like oh, yeah. i just saw them talk about a band that like doesn't get the respect i feel like they deserve like obviously they had like a 10-year run that was meteoric and phenomenal and pop fuzz was like one of the best albums ever written but I, I don't know. I get it. I, people just don't remember the killers, I feel like, which is crazy to me. Dude, it, the record that came out during COVID, uh, Imploding the Mirage. Yeah. yeah. They had all that guitar work and like Adam Granducey out from the War on Drugs worked on it too. I remember hearing it and just being like, dude, this is like what arena rock should sound like in 2022. Like, this is insane. And remember, like, dude, we played Firefly Music Festival and oh, yeah. we, we played like two hours before on a smaller stage. And then I went, it was me and my wife and my little brother, like took a golf cart over and stood side stage. And I've never felt more useless in my life than standing next to Brandon Flowers while he's just doing his thing. Like that guy could command an army. It's fucking crazy. Oh, it's crazy. It's awesome. Literally could not be nicer people too. I also love them because there's, I've never met a band with more of like a dichotomy between like the two core members. Like Brandon Flowers looks like he could be a politician and Ronnie looks like, he should work in a like an auto body shop. Like I yeah. love that. Like in like the best way possible. Like they're they're, like, they're... He's ripped as hell, but he also like looks like he could tear a six pack apart. And <laughs> yes, he looks like he definitely like loves Dale Earnhardt. Like that's the vibe I get from when I look at him. Like he just looks like he's in the like fucking NASCAR. And um, like literally, both of them would give you the shirt off their back. Like just the nicest people. It's yeah. crazy. Like 
you know, not every band is that nice. Like, they don't have to be that nice, you know? They literally <laughs> uh, don't. All right, hold on. Okay, so we're going to talk some shit real quick because I'll talk shit too. I just knocked every shit on the back drop right here. <laughs> All right, so so in saying that, like bands that are too nice, has there ever been a band that you guys went out on the road with? You're like, I'll never play with those guys again. Like that was that was nuts. You can air it out, dude. I think bands probably say that about us. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Dude, like, all right, so I'll I'll air mine out. Better than Ezra. Remember, better than Ezra. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yo, they we played a show with them, and they made us stand out on the street while they sound checked, so they could get the optimal listening experience we stood outside for an hour they wouldn't let us go to the green room um and then we didn't get, we went in literally loaded our shit on stage and then played and left like although i did stay for half their set and they covered three songs which pissed me off uh <laughs> but th- there's a running joke on our podcast about one person in particular because we had like five straight guests we had the black keys the used uh, there was like three more in a row that all had the same person. It was Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I've heard he's wild. He's a wild boy, dude. He kicked the singer from the used in the ribs like oh, at a show. And like he tried to fight the drummer from the Black Keys. Like it's a, it's funny when you watch this on YouTube, <laughs> this comes out. We have an inside joke that like the set of the YouTube is like a studio. And then the side of one of the monitors, if you look in closely, is just a portrait of Billy Corgan. We had to like edit it in. So he, he knows that we have a rivalry, but he hasn't responded yet. So I'm excited to see if he ever does. Um, but yeah, so talk about like getting back out on the road. Um, you guys are obviously a live band. You're a touring band. You're, you, you cut your teeth, you grind. Like, has it been, was it weird when you got back out on the road at first? Like that, I know like for us, like those first couple of shows post COVID, like getting tested day of, like that whole thing was fucking crazy. Yeah. Oh, dude. Well, so our first show back after, over a year was like main stage five o'clock Lollapalooza. So it was like very surreal. Like we were nervous. I was so freaking nervous. We were nervous. It's It's like like jumping out of an airplane, dude. It literally was like, I was worried I was going to pass out. Like less, not from nervousness, just from being like, my body hasn't done this in a really long time. We had like very high, high energy shows. So it was like, nerve-wracking to say the least but uh honestly i kind of preferred that because everything was really easy after doing that (laughs) you know our first show back we opened for the offspring cheap trick and who else was it jane's addiction but i remember like day of because we were like we were flying people in too and we had to like get tested morning of, and I was like, "Yo, what if we fucking test positive? Like, we just have people fly in and shit, and then the whole concert gets shut down. Like, we've lived through something that like people won't do again. Like, as far yeah. as as artists, like it's it's fucking crazy, dude. We had a we had a crazy experience over the summer when we were in Europe with Pearl Jam. We were doing uh Lala Paris, and you know we had to test every day on like even off days on on that tour, and. uh we're all like getting ready at the hotel in the morning, getting ready to get picked up and be taken to the festival site. And then Sam, our bassist, like I just tested positive. And we're like, all right, all right, t- test again, test again. He's like, I feel fine. We're like, all right, just wait a little bit, test again, positive again. So we were like, oh God, what do we do? Like, do we still play? And we ended up having Hunter switch to bass. Uh... <laughs> switched up the set list a little bit. And uh, we made it work, but yeah, that was a uh, that was tense. 
that was very crazy. And then uh, a bunch of other of our members tested positive, and <laughs> and then uh, the last two Pearl Jam shows got mysteriously canceled. <laughs> oh my God, and we had a nice little European vacation in Vienna and Prague. We were clean the whole time. Oh, so you were you guys were just chilling. Oh, dude, I think we just ate nonstop, just went to restaurants. We had so much. Yeah, so much. There's nothing like there's like uh right before a show switch up. Like, you know what I mean? Like you get a, a fucking curveball there and you're like, all right, you're playing bass now. It's like, God damn it. Some of those shows want to be an awesome though. Like it was actually really funny and just yeah. fun. And it's, it's kind of sick a little bit when something like that happens. Cause then there's just no pressure. Cause it's like, if you're going to be mean about that, then you're just an ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, hold on. Another, tour, another tour question. What's the worst show you ever played? Oh man, there's oh, a. I know mine for sure. What's yours? That when we we went on this really insanely long tour with this band called the Struts, who are really really nice guys. Shouts out the Struts. Yeah, I really really love them. And the first show of that tour was probably the worst show I've ever played. It just I just sounded like shit. Was... <laughs> I oh, mean, yeah. I'm we talking. All, we... I'm talking more like those early shows where like. Oh, like, nobody's talk... there. Yeah. Okay. So I got one for you. We're playing. Did you ever play the Nick in Birmingham? No, no. Uh-uh. Good, good for you. Uh, it's like this famous venue that's like under an overpass next to a Chick Fil A, but like it's famous because like Prince played there when he was first starting out, and like it's a hole, it's a hole in the wall. Yeah, and we were on tour, and we had, there was like a local headliner, and we were like underneath them. We're like cool, like we don't know anybody in Birmingham. We've never been here before, and there was another band from Nashville with us, and. We show up and the owner comes out and he's like, yo, the local band just didn't show up. Um, do you guys still want to play? And we're like, I right, fuck it. We're here. Why not? There was three people there. One of them was asleep. The other two were these like older ladies who then offered my drummer cocaine. Uh, <laughs> and that, that, that's what I'm talking about. Like, did you guys ever in those early days, like your early road days ever hit anything where you're just like, damn, <laughs> we played to the bartender. <laughs> it, oh yeah. But, uh, St. Louis for sure. That one sticks out. We literally oh, played yeah. to the bartender. Like yeah. the guy that opened the show didn't even fit. Oh, <laughs> like, that was... sucks. <laughs> and he was like doing one of those things where he was like just himself playing to like a backtrack. Oh. And even he was like, I'm out of here. And I'll never forget. It's like the promoter. <clears throat> I mean, hell of a promoter, I guess. But <laughs> he uh, he had like another show going on. And it was like a show that was like, I wish we were playing that show instead of just over here. And he like left the other show, came, dropped off our guarantee, and then just like left. Jesus Christ! <laughs> we were like, the, yeah. Those are those moments where you test how like good of friends you are as a band. We're all looking at each other and like, God, this fucking sucks, dude. <laughs> well, honestly, that's when we do some of our best material of just like, uh, like th- most recently, we have a hard time getting a crowd in Dallas for whatever reason. I don't know what what it is, or we just always unlucky with whatever show it is. South Dallas, we please buy tickets to the upcoming show. But uh, last time we played there, you know, it was kind of a light crowd. It was just kind of an interesting night. And we just like, we just did a bunch of funny shit. We just like played Judy French twice. <laughs> like, had people like get up on the stage and sing songs. Like, we were just like, who wants to sing the next one? And then like had our fans get up and sing and just, we were just, we just goof off. Yeah. It's a better option than doing the other thing where you can be mopey on stage and be like, this is a waste of my time. Like, why did I even come here? Like, there are bands that will do that. 
Oh, and we did Warehouse in Houston where we just, I think we did six covers. Kind like of we were, that. They, did, they did American Idiot in, in halftime. What? <laughs> <laughs> Super slowed down. There, there was like four people there. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, it's like we've gotten to the point where like, because those things happen and they, they'll happen to you and, you know, for a long time, even if you are a successful band. So like, we just try to make the most fun out of it. And, you know, I'm there for me. I'm not there for anybody else. <laughs> That's the right attitude, dude. That's the right attitude. The Dallas people listening is like, well, if he's there for him, fuck him. I'm not showing up. <laughs> <laughs> fuck off. I don't care. It would be disingenuous of me not to say this, but you guys can say what you want about Dallas, and I don't care if I ever draw there again. Dallas Cowboys can suck my dick. Go birds. That's what. So it's we didn't. We didn't. I'm purposely trying not to bring up sports <laughs> because we've had a, we've had some bad times in Philly because of our sports affiliation. What's your sports affiliation? So my dad's a Jersey guy. I'm a Giants fan. It's me. <laughs> big game. Yeah, big, big game. game. Big game on Saturday. I will say this, dude, and this is an insult to all da- uh, all Cowboys or Giants fans. I never in my life, and I'm from Northeast Philadelphia, I'm a full-blown dickhead. Like, this is what I do. I never have had, like, this visceral hate towards the Giants for one specific reason, and it's like an animalistic reason. I've never looked at Eli Manning, because that's my childhood quarterback that we faced, and I was never like, fuck that guy. I was like, this guy is so goofy looking. I don't give a shit. And we always kind of pummel the Giants, so I don't give a shit either way. But I'm knocking on wood right now, because you guys honestly, like... It was a fun game last week. I mean, I don't know, man. We'll see. I, I, I'm I'm scared, but but also both both teams hate the, hate Dallas more than they hate each other. So it's kind of like the enemy of my enemy. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, dude, there's a visceral hate in my blood for the Cowboys. The Giants. Uh, it's like yeah, I hate New York with a fiery passion. But like, well, unfortunately, our other guitarist Hunter, who is I've mentioned from Texas, he is a Dallas Cowboys fan. <laughs> so if we ever cross paths, we need to all just fight like i think that's just what it has to be <laughs> like it is what it is like Wait, again, what's, the other, what's the other team in the division we gotta find a the, uh the, the commanders the commies well all right never mind it doesn't even matter no fuck that dude <laughs> like, it's like yeah you don't even have a name you don't yeah. even have an owner right now you guys are a goddamn joke it's, We're not- what, i also like the fact that you guys will talk sports because like we bring some people on here and they're like very like i hate when you get a band that you'll be talking to and they get like overly artistic and like it's like yeah we do have other interests like there are other things like yeah sports almost became like a necessity of my life just because of how much i hate the music shop talk like not in this setting in this setting it's great yeah like when you're like out at the bar and you know Obviously, people who don't know me or are just meeting me, they want to talk about music really bad. And that's yeah. probably on the lower end of the spectrum of things I want to talk about in like my off time. You know? why, do you, why do you think I still live in Philadelphia? Why do you think I haven't moved to Nashville or L.A.? I don't want industry yeah. friends. I don't want people that like I spend a lot of time in Nashville and I have friends down there. But like I learned quickly that like I wasn't built for like all my relationships in life being based upon like, yeah, oh, sure. Yeah, who are you working? With? Shut the fuck up, dude. Like, what? Like, what else do you have to talk about? Like, are you a real human being, or are you just here to like talk about? Like, dude, sometimes we can just bullshit about sports. Like, it's okay. Exactly. I think that's another reason why, like, I love Louisville so much. It's just because I have so many friends that, like, you know, we've grown up with, and it would be hard for me to leave that. Mm-hmm. You know, and- yeah. And it's also nice to like. I always tell this story, but like when we, we opened for Bon Jovi at a, a stadium and I came home that night and I've been with my wife since high school. Like we're both from Philadelphia. Like we're in bed that night. It's like four o'clock in the morning. My Nashville guys had been sleeping on the couch. Like 
just had the night of our lives and like we're sitting around and she's like hey and like i'm like i'm expecting like a like that was amazing i'm so proud of you and she goes it is trash night are you gonna take the fucking trash out or what's the deal and like that to me was like yo i need to be like i need to be here like we need to be regular people like we can't just yeah. live in this oh, sure. in this like I don't. I don't want to be that dude in LA who just gets lost and is just like up my own ass all the time. Like that's not what it's yeah. about. Sure. It's but so. I, it's so important to just have time as a normal person. That was kind of. I wanted to bring that up when we were talking about you know, all the lows of of like having to come off the road at such an important time in our band from from the pandemic because there was this other half of of pretty much all of us that were super burned out. Yep. Like honestly, if we didn't get that break, I don't know how much like you know what would have happened really because it was we were all pretty done like just cooked like just having grinded so hard for so long. Yeah, there's that fucking line from Wolf of Wall Street where Matthew McConaughey is talking to Leonardo DiCaprio and he's and basically he's talking about jerking off and and like doing cocaine. And he's like, if you go too far one way, you will split your differential and tip the fuck over. And like if you dive too hard into it and you don't like have both sides you will burn out and you will be done like there, there's no doubt about it and then you hate then you hate it yep i never want to hate it you know like yeah it's my favorite thing so you have to really find that balance yeah i think you guys have dude honestly the new the new shit's amazing when's the new record coming out um, 27th so 10 days yeah. yeah what day is it yeah god damn are you guys doing great anything time. yeah this is great timing honestly especially we're fucking it's this this whole thing has been a goddamn adventure. We started the podcast because of COVID. We didn't have shit to do. We couldn't tour. And then mm-hmm. somehow I White Sox Dave from Barstool Sports texted me one day and said, I'm hammered, but I have a question. Will you teach me how to play the guitar? And I was like, Okay. And then <laughs> it evolved into this shit. And now I'm talking to you guys. So fucking uh, life has a funny way of working out, dude. Yeah. No, that's cool. Sure. That's super sick. Yeah, well, uh definitely want y'all to come out to the the show. Hell yeah! Uh, if you guys are hitting Philly, we have we have correspondents in Philly, Chicago, and L.A. So uh, and, all and, those places. and Austin now. I fucking forgot. Oh. You know the band Congos by any chance? They have a song "Come with Me" now. That can't, it was real big like ten years ago. I know that song from, yeah, from- <laughs> they're now our house band on the podcast. So every week when we do our segments, they're all plugged in their studio and they they score the podcast. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious! That's super funny. It's, it's fucking stupid, and I love it. That's so um. But yeah, dude, we'll come out to a show. We'll fucking we'll do something. We'll have fun. Um, but guys, this has been an absolute pleasure. We're gonna push as many people towards the record. You don't need our fucking help. You guys are killing it. You're doing a great job. And uh, just know that you have fans and people who are appreciative of doing it the right way and actually sounding like a rock and roll band. So we appreciate it. Hey, we oh, yeah. appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for having us. Fuck yeah, everybody, go check out White Reaper on the road. Listen to the new record. And uh, if you're in a band, don't try and do weird emo shit if you're not a weird emo band. Uh, Boys, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon, all right? Thanks, man. Bye. All right, so that was White Reaper. Please go listen to the new record. It drops at the end of the month. Go see them on tour. Shout out to those guys who play shows at Pearl Jam. They're taking their buddies out on the road, too, which I love that. Uh, Great guys. Great interview. Um, Real quick, a couple pieces of music news to get into. Uh, White Reaper did have new music drop. We had new Fall Out Boy today, which I actually really liked. I don't know if you guys heard it. It feels kind of like older Fallout Boy. Here's the thing. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Here's the thing. You can't. Emo's not cute when you're 44 years old, dude. You I agree. About love and stardust and all this shit. Grow <laughs> up. Like, I love Fallout Boy. I love Patrick Stump. I think he's a fucking phenomenal singer. Yep. Pete Wentz is the worst bass player in the history of bass playing. Yep. Um, But, like, right 
I don't know, just write better shit. <laughs> you, I yeah. know you can. I know, I know, but it's it, it would also be like it's like it'd be weird for them to come out and be like a functioning. It seems like a functioning big band. Yeah, I don't it's know. funny. Like you see bands that basically it's like people with their outfits. Like we, I'm not saying I'm not guilty of this. Like you find like your one thing that you're like, oh, this is kind of like my scene. And then you fucking suck with you. Like you see a 50 year old dude wearing his like 1990s skate shit. You know what I mean? Like it's, and it's fine. Like sunglasses live on stage every night. Yeah. yeah. Like never you find your thing and people do that. People do that musically. Like the Rolling Stones never wrote anything remotely new sounding. And then, nope. then you got the opposite of it. Like people like Bob Dylan that are like constantly changing for better and for worse sometimes like it's just they're like fuck it i'm never doing the same thing over and over i kind of l tend to lean towards appreciating those artists more than people that are just basically trying to relive the thing that worked at the time and it's riskier to not do that but at the same time it's risky like if you think you're going to recapture the energy and what you had when the first thing album blew up or whatever it's there's not going to happen there's one band that did it and it's acdc ACDC put the okay, same yeah. record out like 15 times and it's literally the exact same record. This is a times. very, very small example, but an example of a band that changed on their own terms. Uh, a band called Thrice that I grew yeah. up in high school with. Love Thrice. Their first two records, Super Garage Thrash. Third record was their masterpiece. Then they started like getting into more atmospheric and this, this and that, which I hated, but I fucking respected. And I don't know why I felt that way or that I've ever felt that way about a different band. But I hated their last couple records, but I respected that they were like, this is what I want to do now. I don't know what to tell you. Dude, you can, I'm not putting myself in the category of like these great bands that have done this, but like I've, we made a conscious effort not to keep making the same record over and right. over. And you pay a price for it because like we know what could have worked. Like we could have tried to literally just make Come With Me Now 70 times yep. and we would never have done it as well, but it might have done better commercially or whatever. And then it's interesting, though, because we went through a phase where we were, like, swung far away from that. And then if you get enough distance from it, like, I feel like we can come back to certain elements that were working there yes. with a fresh approach where it's fresh and new. But, like, just making the same song over, there's a bunch of bands, like, you know who they are, that have just, like, tried to make the same song over and over, and it's never worked. Joey, can I give you a compliment? And, Colin, will you edit this out? Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the records have been the right amount of distance away from each other creatively that your live set to me has always been so perfect. There's so many elements of everything that I love. The spectrum is wide, but the through line is there. Don't ever tell anybody I said that, but whatever you guys have created has created such an incredible <laughs> live set. It goes from beautiful to heavy to fun to dark. Like it's just, it's, it's tight. Okay. Compliment over. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. I recorded it myself so I can clip it for later. <laughs> uh, but I do. The thing that's been nice about that, what you actually find is you find the people that actually like your band. And it's a lot smaller of a number than the people that like come with me now yeah. or whatever. Mm. But those fans are then, very willing to go with you wherever you go, as long as you're being basically sincere about what you're doing. So you, I love that. It, it, it's worth getting that number down smaller to be actually like not constantly fighting. You're, it's not like we don't have to fight with our fans about what our music should sound like. They're like, just do your thing. We're with you. Yeah. And that's a really cool thing. Can I ask you guys a question? Go mm -hmm. ahead, Kenny. Go ahead. I saw some, we're going music news. Yeah. I saw something that's very exciting to me. Dreamers, our boy Nick Wold. Yep has a new single coming out 
Yep. Featuring Iron Tom, one of my no favorite shit. fucking bands. And when I saw that, my mind blew up and I was like, this is going to be so fucking good. Uh, if Yo, check out Iron Tom. Check out Iron Tom. I hate Iron Tom for one reason. We were supposed to play a set of shows with a band, which we were in main nameless. And I got an email like two months beforehand. They were like, oh, they've had a different support. And I looked and it was Iron Tom. So fuck Iron Tom, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're they're an awesome band. And I, I, I love Nick. Nick's a great guy. Um, but uh, there, there's something I did want to bring up real quick because it's, it's. I guess we'll kind of like end on this because I, I, we do got to bounce here. But, um, I put a question out on the the Barstool backstage Twitter today, which actually garnered a lot of people like answering the question. But if you could have one band with all their original members reunite, who would you pick? And I have a couple answers here that I think are actually pretty good because I didn't think this deep. Um, a couple of the answers that I've gotten thus far are the Talking Heads. Which I don't know is that if that's possible. Um, Daft Punk. But the which, Talking Heads is so much David Byrne. Like somebody said, the White Stripes. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, I got the Police. Which I mean, yeah, I guess. Are they? Did they really break up? Break up? Or did the Sting just kind of go do his own thing? I just think Sting did his own thing. Yeah, he's just so, just he's so busy. Like fucking for fourteen hours yeah, at a yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no time for music. Yeah, it's it's really tough. Yeah, between the fucking, it's hard to do. <laughs> uh, but the number one band, I think I got like fifteen responses. Everybody said Oasis. Everyone said Oasis. Yeah, that's a good answer. I mean, yeah, just- but you you know if you get them back together, or well, maybe you get the you lose the vindictive arguing, right? Or you maybe you not, maybe you keep it and you get the band. But like that's half of the charm of them is just like the two of them constantly a hundred percent bickering, dude. I think that everybody wants it so bad and it's been so long that if it ever did happen, it'd be so anticlimactic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it wouldn't be good. <laughs> Dude, there, there's no way they're not just like on back channels. I don't know where they're at, their status, the two of them. Are they off, Are they like kind of cool now or are they fighting? No, they're not that I, not that I know of. Them. They've got a back channel where they just like, they keep getting the offers. They're like, let's wait for one more comma. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's yeah. going to happen. It's be like Glastonbury 2027 or whatever for like $400 billion. There was better got in the whole world than that one show, the huge show that Liam decided not to play at the last minute and made oh, sing all the songs. But Liam That was uh, MTV was Unplugged. <laughs> it was MTV Unplugged and, no, and Liam just didn't show up and then Love Noel it. did everything. Fuck which, by up. the way, I mean, I, Liam is the band, but Noel is the the brains noel wrote, writes most of the songs he's the melody guy but liam is awake you know what i mean love noel gallagher and the high flying birds but that one liam single that came out on a four or five years ago was fucking great dude he put out a great new record this year yeah. it's really cool actually the liam gallagher shit that came out this year is fucking actually really good give me a way he definitely got with a good songwriting team because they the songs are well put together uh but i don't really have like a band that i, can I can't think of anyone Metallica, and I'm not talking to <laughs> Burton because I'm not I'm not that old. But if I could get Jason Newstead Jason Newstead there, man, for one good old fashioned injustice for all set. Oh man, yeah. There's nothing that like jumps out to me like where I'm like I can't believe that band broke up. Like no, I don't really. I can't think of bands, but like what about Dre and Snoop back together or something, Ooh. or like N.W.A. Like yeah, any of those like. The classic hip hop act. Yeah, the Fugees. Doing, if the Fugees yeah. weren't always in jail, we could have the Fugees come back <laughs> together. Thing is back in touring, baby. Oh yeah. yeah. But see, so many of these would be like, could you resurrect people from the dead? Like that's the question. Like that, if you could do that, then the, your conversation expands a little bit. But as far as living bands, there's nobody like living. Yeah. And they're Skinner and Ronnie Van Zant. 
half the band died in that in that plane crash. Uh, yeah, no, I I can't really think of anybody off the top of my head. Um, I mean, yeah, I think I would lean more hip hop. I mean, I'm wearing an Ice Cube shirt right now. Like, yeah. if, like if we could have got more NWA records together, what'd you say? I said shout out to our homie. Shout out to the big dog, Ice Cube. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap it up there because we do have some other shit to get into. But um, real quick, did anybody have anything glaring on or off the list this week? I had an off the list that changed to not an on the list, but not an off the list. And we were talking about this on the chat the other night is that the new uh, Miley Cyrus song. Because when I first heard that song, I was like, this is literally another song. That's what I thought. Yeah. How, how can you fucking put that out? And either are you just hoping to get sued and get the press out of it? Then I found out that it's like, it's an homage or like a rework of that Bruno Mars song. So I was like, okay, fine. That's that clever. My off the list. And I'm glad he's, oh, I wish he was here. Dante, you're off my fucking list. There is nobody in this world who likes everything as much as fucking Dante. Everything. <laughs> he does. If I say I don't like anything, oh, fucking hater Kenny. I'm like, give me, tell me something you don't like. You can't. Just yeah, like but it. you know what, dude? Dante's got a dark secret. There's something that he hates so much that he has to cover it with all the lo loves, love. He loves. And be, you know what? It's because he's such a nice fucking person that he just can't bring himself to not like anything. I'm like, it's oh. probably AWOL Nation and Congos. It's got to it happened. Uh, my uh, we talked about it before we came on, but my on the list is uh, The Last of Us. I think they did an amazing job with that yeah, show. Pedro Pascal, Pedro Pascal oh, yeah. only plays he only plays one type of character now, and that's like a protective father figure. Like he's it's literally the Mandalorian, but in a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah. Like it's um, sometimes I feel like actors typecast themselves so that they can get more chicks. Like they pick the uh, character that's yeah. like. So that it just keeps imprinting in people's heads, like he's a handsome heroic type, or like and a Paul <laughs> or Paul Rudd, where he's just like the the handsome, happy go lucky guy who everything kind of works out for. Yeah, although um, I fuck I, I fuck with Paul Rudd, dude. I like Paul. Everybody Rudd. loves Paul Rudd. Yeah. On a uh, quick on my list is I don't know if I've talked about this before. There's a style of music that started to come out of South Africa a few years back called Ama Piano. Uh, it's basically like I've talked about this before, like house music makes its way to South Africa, like European house music. It gets filtered through South Africa and comes out as like this crazy, warped, amazing thing always. It's happened like three or four times, these brand new styles that have come out of there and then Diplo goes and seals it, which right. is fine. I'm not, I'm not even shitting on Diplo. Like he does a good job of like bringing in world influence. But uh, this style of music called I'm a Piano, I'll send you guys some links in the um, in the chat, but really fucking cool shit. It's like house music and there's no kick drum. And somehow it's the Ooh. most danceable shit ever. You're like, how are you going to make dance music without a kick drum? And so without like, a kick drum, is it just like super atmospheric? Like yeah, but it fucking hits because you see the all the the dances and the like movement that's happening to it. It's like super super danceable music, and you're like, where's the low end? There is none or none. No direct traditional low end. It's fucking really cool shit. I'll send cool. some links. I'll throw it up on that pod, uh, the uh, playlist that uh, Kenny shared. That's out there. Yeah. Oh yeah, everybody, go follow the Barstool Backstage. What the fuck we've been listening to playlist. Um, add some of that shit to. I'm actually usually when somebody throws a suggestion out, I'm just kind of like, yeah, that sounds cool, and then never get to it. I actually kind of want to hear this. Um, I'll play it to you off the air so we don't get the stream pulled. All right, uh, let's wrap this up, guys. Uh, next week, I don't know who the guest is yet because there's a possibility it could be very. Monumental. I don't. I don't know. We'll see. Um. But we got White Reaper this week. Thank you to those guys. Uh. Kenny, Johnny, anything for me? Hell no. I gotta go take a shit. Do yeah. your thing. I'll see. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. See ya.